if there is a need for adaptive clothing, why is it that people aren't supporting enough to those brands that are actually actively doing this? Hi everyone, welcome back to my podcast, Is Fashion Real? I'm back with another episode, this time just talking about my own journey in the fashion world and as to why this podcast actually exists. Because the main reason why it does exist, if you watch the first um, kind of trailer of this podcast, I was speaking about fashion technology and uh, adaptive fashion and those are the two fields that I've focused on for the past few years. And actually also teaching as well um, and a bunch of other things, but these are the two main um, fields um, that I've been actually focusing on with the roles that I've been doing. And within that, I've noticed a lot of things that I'm like, something is quite strange or uh, there needs to be a lot more work in that area, etc. So this series specifically is speaking about uh, the adaptive fashion field and how not so well it's been doing compared to what I would have expected by now, considering, you know, the culture uh, has shifted since before and, you know, everyone seems to be more open-minded. There's Gen Z that's doing all this stuff, uh, a bit more activism going on there. But actually, when you think about what's actually happening in the fashion industry, especially adaptive fashion or inclusive fashion, as I like to call it, Um, there's not as much going on compared to what should be, what I think should be happening. Um, So yeah, just join me on this uh, series all about that. When it comes to adaptive fashion specifically, that started when I was in my bachelor's. And in the bachelor's, it was Nottingham Trent University. Shout out to you guys. And um, I was studying fashion design and uh, DCC, which is design, culture and context. So that was a theory side of things. But when it came to the course itself, overall, it was three years and it was uh, specifically uh, to create, learn all the sewing things and all those basics and then put that into practice for your final year where you have the big show and everything is like all exciting to really just end with a bang pretty much. Now, with that whole experience, it was up and down and I did actually do a vlog on that uh, on YouTube. You can check that out as well uh, of a day in the life of a fashion student. But what I didn't capture was the journey to this adaptive fashion field because I wasn't vlogging back then. Um, But also there wasn't much to vlog because... At that time, it was my second year, if we kind of rewind back, it was a second year of the the bachelors, and that's where this uh, competition was introduced to us. A lady named uh, Linda had a skiing accident, and she was actually an alumni uh, at uh, Nottingham Trent. When she was actually shopping during, after the skiing accident, uh, she had to be uh, in a wheelchair for a number of months. And during the, that time, she couldn't actually find clothing that was suitable for her temporary situation there. And then she thought, well, there are actually many people out there um, who have that problem, but probably for the their whole lives, because disability is not just temporary for some people. So she thought, okay, this is the perfect time to maybe do something about it. So she actually then... Uh, went to Nottingham Trent and pitched the idea and they loved it and then that's how the competition came about. 
So I didn't even get anywhere with that competition. I did very. I, I really thought about it. It was quite upsetting because I really thought about it. I was really into it, and I designed everything and and submitted. But I wasn't even a finalist because the teachers were in charge of choosing the finalists. So that's to the teachers,、um, actually. But. Uh, funny enough, after that, when it was now time to write my dissertation, fast forward to now the third year after the placement year, I then、uh, focused my dissertation on that, on why disability is not represented very much or very well、uh, as well in fashion media specifically at that time. So that's when I reached back out to Linda and. Did an interview and、uh, I did a bunch of other interviews and research and all this stuff, and wrote my paper. And I do also have a video on the actual visual dissertation because we can we had to kind of do both. So I have that on my YouTube channel as well, so you can check that out.、Uh, but that was really the beginning of that research and adaptive fashion field.、Uh, at the time, it really wasn't really a thing. I don't think it was even. Adaptive fashion wasn't really that at the time, if that makes sense.、Uh, as much as it is now, because now it's kind of a thing. <laughs> I actually did always have this little glimpse into disability and the fashion industry、uh, because of my brothers, specifically the brother that follows me. Um, in terms of order of births,、um, he actually has autism, and he was never really interested, and still is not interested in genes or anything that some of us without any disabilities would be able to tolerate a bit more.、Um, so that's really to do with the textures of a garment. So if the genes are super tight, like skinny jeans. We tend to just wear them because they look cute, but they're not actually the most comfortable. If you want to sit down, they're not the most comfortable. Just to wear them is quite a lot of work as well. So really, I think in general we have been、uh, used to a certain way of dressing in general, and that obviously is due to the standardised way of doing things in fashion, from the production all the way to the actual retail and what is actually being sold. So that then means people with disabilities have to then actually adapt to whatever is already out there, or they're going to have to have custom-made clothes, and that can be a little bit pricey. So because of all that, I was already kind of used to that. So my brother would only wear joggers, and still, again, still kind of just that's really just his go-to joggers that are at least you know soft. If you look, if you kind of look at fleece、uh, fabric. In the interior is super nice and cozy, so we all love that. But obviously, in the summer, it's not the best thing. It's not the most ideal thing to wear.、Um, so really, those are the kind of things that I was already exposed to way before this competition came about in in the school. But I never knew I could do anything about it until the competition came. So I do think that it did its thing, even if I wasn't successful with the competition itself. Um, it did definitely do its thing because now I it opened my eyes to a bigger picture, you know.、Um, so yeah, so now I graduated from the bachelor's. I finished the dissertation. I did want to focus more on the、um, disability side with the masters that I ended up doing afterwards, just because in the bachelor's it was a little bit difficult to. 
kind of cram in everything, all the research that I was doing for the dissertation and then try to translate it to the design. And that's why I decided I'd rather dedicate a full, like, full masters on on that which is why I then moved to Paris after that and I uh, was studying uh, design for social impact and it is one of two or one of one of three schools I would say in the world at the time that was actually offering that and I really liked the idea of obviously moving to Paris as well it made things a lot easier there was another one in Scotland but actually um, the the syllabus is is quite different. So Paris was a no-brainer for me. Let's go. That's where I really got a lot more research done. I was speaking to people from the NHS. I was interviewing people with disabilities and also people without. And that part is the most important thing about my brand that I now have because I wanted it to be a brand that is not just targeted at people with disabilities and hey you you've got a disability come wear my clothes but actually rather um hey I have something that everyone can wear and it includes you with a disability so come and have a look and that is why I did that research and then I made the Venn diagram I did speak about this in another uh, video on my YouTube channel about that um but in in summary it's pretty much a Venn diagram that had Uh, three circles, one that was all the research of what I found for people with disabilities who had um, physical disabilities. And they were specifically focused on the challenges that they have when putting on clothes, while wearing the clothes, taking them off, etc. And then those with cognitive disabilities. So that was actually more towards what I discussed about with my brother, where it's more textures, uh, things that, you know, may not necessarily be how you physically put on a garment, but things that are to do with your day-to-day lifestyle or uh, how you just react to things. Um, So hypersensitivity was definitely one of them because that links with the cognitive disabilities that I researched. And then the third circle in the Venn diagram was focusing on those without any disabilities, but just general issues that people experience, such as zips on the back of dresses that aren't really accessible, that sometimes you just need your partner to help you out to zip up, or, um, you know, the skinny jeans that I spoke about, or itchy tights, all those things that are very general and that anyone can experience. So... Because of that, um, I then was thinking about what are the best designs that I can really come up with to try and tick like many boxes within each of these circles in one garment or at least um, half of them at least in one in one garment. So yeah, that's how I came up with my designs and uh, I think we can definitely talk about that in another uh, episode, but generally this has really just been my journey so and I think the the really most challenging part about this was the fact that the research there wasn't much to research at the time because no no other brands were really doing this um, except Tommy Hilfiger who did do their adaptive line around that time they started off with kids and then they uh, did that for adults as well And then there was Kintsuki Clothing, uh, which was a British brand, uh, very small, but very impactful because actually they were one of the the 
people at the beginning actually doing this um, on a really cool level for a small brand, I think. Um, they were featured on many press and a bunch of things. Um, but actually, that's something that I did want to talk about on this podcast. Uh, unfortunately, I can't uh, interview the founder, but we have been in contact and we have been chatting about, you know, kind of her journey on this as the brand has actually now recently shut down, uh, which is really a shame. And But it is actually one of the reasons why I started this podcast as well, because I'm just like, if there is a need for adaptive clothing... Why is it that people aren't supporting enough to those brands that are actually actively doing this? And this is from an anecdotal uh, point of view as well, because I have received a lot of support, but there is certain support that you also need in order to grow much further and for this to really be a sustainable brand, not sustainable in terms of the fabrics and stuff, but actually just for it to be sustained for the long run. And uh, that has been challenging because, uh, one, when I was doing the master's and doing the research, and even after that, I had a lot of pushback from certain uh, professionals who weren't able to obviously authorize access to maybe clients in the clinic um, or hospitals, etc. There's so much paperwork involved, uh, which obviously makes sense. And I was prepared for that. But I think what was most frustrating about this was just the fact that you want to help, you want to do something, and then there's you just getting told, no, we can't do that, no, this kind of looks like something that we have to authorise, like what we do with um, blood samples. I'm like, guys, I'm not doing all that. I just need to speak to some clients uh, about their disabilities or their conditions when they're using a wheelchair, whatever, and then get that research and then I can actually help them. Um, But actually, that has really been a difficult thing to do just because there's so much paperwork involved. So I'm actually happy for the people from NHS that I was able to speak with, um, because otherwise, yeah, it was really a, uh, it was a tough time. Um, But the other thing that I I faced was when I was doing that research and I was developing my designs, etc. during the master's, um, yeah, a lot of people really just didn't see the vision. (laughs) So they just didn't understand how... You can have clothing that um, is inclusive of different disabilities. And yeah, they just thought, oh no, there's no way that you can do that. There's no way that you can, you know, get so many solutions in one garment. And But I was really determined to do it. And those are the same people, actually, that after I launched my brand, uh, and even the first samples before the brand, uh, they were like, oh wow, okay, now I get it. Um, but that, that should be encouragement for some of you guys as well. If you are thinking of doing a niche brand like this, of actually sometimes some people won't believe in your idea or they just won't see the vision. So they don't mean ill of anything that they're saying, but it could just literally just be that they just don't understand it because you're the one with the vision and not them. So those are the things that I, I did have to face there. But now, fast forward to having launched the brand, I believe two years after graduating, uh, alongside actually working and, you know, proper like job on the side. Um, yeah, I then launched the brand and in Paris, but the brand is actually still um, a, a UK brand. 
Um, but yeah, that was really a fun experience, and the f- support I received there was a lot from people offering to be photographers,、um, to people who just want to put me in press. And actually, I got more press probably like more recently than back then. And that's another thing. Sometimes things kick in a lot slower than you think because,、uh, yeah, that was that. But. Anyway, the brand is now launched. I did go a lot more commercial with it, just because it was at first really extravagant dress, extravagant jumpsuit, things you can wear to a wedding, things you can wear to the Oscars. And then I was given advice as well to kind of tone it down a little bit because there are people who can probably benefit from this as well, the functionality of the garments. At work, and that is obviously part of the research that I had been doing. So there, there, that that was that. So that's why I ended up doing blazer, trousers, and skirt as the first one. I am looking to do more things like dresses and etc.、Um, but yeah, that that part is super exciting, and of also looking into menswear because I know a lot of men had asked for that as well.、Um, but one thing that I did notice、uh, is. The fact that you're not selling as much, <laughs> yeah. The sales had not been so great, and just not what you expect because it's obviously inclusive. The zips open in a certain way where you can also style it in a certain way. Have slits, but the pelts fall down, and you get to just be different、um, for people with or without disabilities. And actually, for those with disabilities, the functional side of things. It's really just kind of perfect for those who maybe need a guardian, and the guardian doesn't have to roll them around to put it on. They just unzip everything, and then zip it up once they've laid on top of it. And also those with who who are amputated or who just have limited mobility, there are magnetic zips on the blazer as one of the options, and all of this stuff. Obviously, when you're when finally people saw the samples, finally people saw the designs. They're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing! And then I was featured on ITV News London、um, at some point as well, just before COVID. And yeah, people were like, yeah, this is fantastic! Like, oh my gosh, I'm so happy that someone's doing this. So when you hear all that feedback, you're expecting that people are going to jump at the opportunity and you're going to sell out or and stuff.、Uh, not necessarily sell out from a technical perspective and a business model perspective, but you know, just sell a lot. Um, but yeah, it just didn't happen that way. I'm like, okay, yeah, it's not all about money, but it's really also proof of concept. It's like proof that people are willing to spend. And again, when speaking to people who advise about these things, they're saying, okay, well, if you're don't you know sell yourself short with the brand, don't try to make a loss on purpose by making the prices way lower、um, than what actually it needs to be. Not just for profit perspective, but even just to break even. Yeah, it's like yeah, people who are willing to spend, they will spend it. So I'm like, okay, fine. Literally、uh, did that, and then I know price was definitely one of the issues that I faced because a lot of people were saying that actually, like they will be like, oh wow, this is nice. How much is this? Even at exhibition that I did、um, after the brand launched. You know, people would say, "Wow, this is such a cool idea!" You know, they love the blazer. Again, was like the showstopper. 
But now they hear the price, oh, yeah, sorry, I can't do that. From a business perspective, any business is going to experience certain things like this, certain turmoils like this. And it's a good thing because you can like rejig things. So in this case, simply changing the manufacturer so that the prices can be lower, you know, things like that um, are the things that I have been working on really. But I just thought it would be great to talk about this because then that way it's really just an honest conversation. Um, but that's really the journey um side of things and I think I'm just gonna have to do a part two because there's a lot more to discuss now that I'm in the industry I've launched the brand I've spoken to you about the journey there and now actually about the reality of adaptive fashion in general because now it's not really just about my brand it's about what I've seen uh with others as well so join me for part two of this uh episode and thank you so much for listening this far Hopefully you are being inspired as well at the same time when you're listening to this. And if you have any comments about your journey, just launching a fashion brand in general, or even fashion tech uh, service or product, please put it in the comments on YouTube um, or any platform that you're uh, listening to this on. And we can have a chat. Bye.